Hey gang, Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts is now funded by Patreon. Join to access our blog and unlock special bonuses like essays, reviews, show notes, and other exclusive material. It's brand new and you can be a part of shaping the material we produce. If we reach $50 a month, we'll be able to start buying vintage Scooby-Doo novels to review, in addition to our regular episodes. Thank you to David Green, Kyle Michaud, Katie Maxwell, Jordan Ferguson, Pablo Corden, Spencer Graham, Matthew Bang, Ashley Martinez, Gabriel Pesek, Sean Mokels, Toge, and Blake Sawyer for funding this episode. Welcome to Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts. The original podcast that painstakingly goes through all Scooby-Doo media in search of those to Scooby-Doo absolutely or Scooby-Don't under any circumstance. I'm your host, Billy. And I'm your host, Amelia. And we're watching Stand and Deliver. so close terrible fucking episode to be like your sixth from last it nothing to do with anything sexist garbage spoilers scooby don't from amelia it came so close to having a much better message than it did and it threw it all away for the sake of a joke Sometimes that's worth it. This time it wasn't. I don't think that was a joke that was worth spoiling the content of the episode. But I mean, at first glance, the, uh, your favorite family is back. This little bitch is now against <laughs> adventures. First it was libraries, now it's adventures. She's taking everything that you love away. Did she also think that the gator ghouls were lame? I can't they remember. They were so cool. <laughs> I feel like she might have said that swamps were lame or something like that, just to continue that joke. But yeah, it's the National Lampoon family driving in their car. I'm gonna say, sounds more like Chevy Chase this episode. I still feel like the first time was perfect. And then... Every time after that, it's just been like, oh, that's just a man doing another man's voice. See, I, I liked it this time. I don't know what it was. Some sort of quality about the timber of his voice. Maybe the fact that he was being emasculated. Maybe that just really rang true to Chevy Chase for me. Uh, but what we have here is that family. They're taking a trip to Crystal Cove this time. Finally. You know, it's sort of the main location of the whole series, but they're trying to get to Crystal Cove, and they're stopped by this dandy highwayman who not only robs them, rides away with the wife. That that family is broken up now. Yep. I mean, for the better, probably, but... Is Chevy Chase's fault for giving her a cheap engagement ring? They definitely and, seem to be at each other's throats. And not listening to her... Her dreams and desires with any kind of uh, earnestness or, yeah. or genuine, like, caring about this person that you've decided to spend the rest of your life with. Gotta say, 
very good idea to bring this family into this episode. It is a dynamic that works well for them. And uh, if, I'm not sure if this is the last time we'll see them. It kind of feels like it's going to oh, be the last time. I fucking hope so. We're like six episodes from the end. We're done with side characters. Give me the fucking cursed treasure already. Well, uh, unfortunately, none of that in the premise. The premise is going to continue sidetracking. The dandy highwayman is assaulting people, then abducts the ladies of Crystal Cove with his charming British accent. Meanwhile, Scooby is having strange dreams. And again, I feel like for you, it's a case of plot and subplot would be better switched. Uh, yeah? Because Scooby's dreams rock. I mean, I'll be the first to say it. I'm not a huge fan of Twin Peaks. So do I want Mystery Incorporated to just be like... Twin Peaks on Maine? No, I don't want that. But over the dandy highwaymen, yes, I would take Twin Peaks. I, I mean, I am a fan of it being Twin Peaks on Maine. The fact that it is so unabat- Like, we call things being Twin Peaks-esque. This is literally like Scooby-Doo entering the canon of Twin Peaks from a side door. The Red Room is there. And the little man. Uh, yes, the man who is called the man from another place in Twin Peaks, but is called the dancing man in Scooby-Doo. I was hearkening back to Fred's line in Bedlam oh, I, and the Big Top. Oh, I knew exactly what you were doing. He's the little man. I just wanted to point out that Michael J. Anderson, who plays this character in Twin Peaks, is playing him here as well. Excellent. And he actually, he didn't... He's the only guy that can get that, that speaking backwards. Exactly. Um, unfortunately, he didn't live long enough to appear in Twin Peaks The Return, so th this is his little shot at a reprise here in Scooby-Doo, so... I mean, I, and I'm a fan of his performance here. Backwards talking, and we'll see him do a little more than that in a future episode. But which of our main gang do you want to start with? I'm disgusted at all the men. Do you, do you want to avoid them then? Start with some ladies? It's been like 40 years of goodwill I've had towards Fred Jones dashed with <laughs> this episode. Ooh, I hope he wins you back. I also really don't have that much for the women. There, there's my, my really notes, nothing happening in this fucking episode. Yeah, my notes are mostly about the mothers. I'm going to start with Velma. Because, yes. we, because we see her first. And, uh, I do have the most for Velma. Yeah, her mom is building a pool. Specifically because she's already hired an attractive pool boy. And... Is Mr. Dinkley still in the picture? I have not seen Mr. Dinkley since episode one of this series, if I'm going to be on it. Actually, I don't even know if I saw him then. Is there a Mr. Dinkley? Or is Velma the product of a single mom? He could have also died, or they could have been divorced, or... I would say she's a single mom, even if she is a widow. Single mom has different connotations. Okay. Single mom has those, like, you know, oh, you're a slut that got pregnant without being able to get your claws in the man permanently connotations. Well, then, what, what should I say? Just that she, that Velma's mom might be raising her on her own? Single parent home. Okay. Single parent home. You know, I'm going to say that that's what's happening here. Let's hope. At Otherwise. At least until we see the dad again. Because even if we saw the dad in episode one, an off-screen separation might have occurred. 
it does seem insulting to him if he's still in the house in the relationship <laughs> that Bella's mother's being this thirsty. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, thirsty, and I would even say foolhardy, because she's planning on building this pool with a dynamite shed. Everyone knows the easiest way to get a pool is to blast a hole in the ground, Billy, <laughs> obviously. I, ju- I just feel that that barrels of TNT is not the most modern way to go about doing this. I don't know if TNT would even create that big of a hole. Wouldn't yeah. you have to bury it? A landmine would create a bigger crater, surely, than oh. just putting a pile of dynamite on a spot. I'm still going to say a backhoe is the tool for the job. It, it just seems much more sensible. Well, you tell that to the people of Crystal Cove where it is cheaper to have a dynamite shed than it is to rent a backhoe. Welcome to America, Billy! <laughs> I will. She's, uh, Velma is dissed by Fred once again. They have to stop the dandy highwayman before he comes for their girl. Yeah. Not girls, yep. plural. We need to protect our girl. To which Velma is just like, gee, thanks. <laughs> and Velma, I... it's just because no one cares about you, okay? Like, jeez. And that's kind of the way that, like, Fred sort of personifies his feelings for Daphne as the gang's feelings for Daphne. Like, he can't really attribute that to himself yet. But it does come off really insulting for Velma. And I think she's right. to Like, Velma really feels the love there. And the lack thereof. No no love lost between Velma and literally every other person on Earth. Uh, one of my favorite subplots is in this episode, though, in which we learn that Velma is a cautious driver. She, hardly a subplot. Well, she's driving the mystery it's a character machine. character point. She lets us know that 33% of all accidents happen minutes away from your home. Of course she has car accident stats just yeah. lined up. Well, that's how her father died. Off screen in season one. The pool boy that her mother hires literally sits in their backyard in a speedo, night and day, (laughs) unmoving. Yep. And she leads the gang there because they're pretty sure he's the the dandy highwayman because he's British and he's ripped. And uh, they're looking at him sitting on this reclining lawn chair in the dark of night. At night! And she says... That pool boy has nowhere to be and nothing to do. It's pathetic! (laughs) (laughs) She likes a man with a little bit of ambition in his life. Why did she go for Shaggy then? Oh, I don't know. That doesn't line up at all. If anyone's pathetic, I think it's the boy that eats dog food. Shaggy shows admiration for that quality in the pool boy. The very quality that she called pathetic. So I think this is where Velma's really realizing, like, I had feelings for you. Why? She just likes tall men. That's all it is. Probably. She probably mistakes tall for personality. Well, she'll grow out of that. Moving on to the Daphne dilemma. My one note for her. There was probably more to be had, but I only wrote down the one note. She isn't greedy. When her mother opens this giant vault and hands her a stack of cash, she takes a couple bills off the top, still probably amounting to at least a couple hundred dollars, (laughs) and says, no, no, I only need a little. And her mom is shocked by that. Yeah. I don't know what I did wrong with that girl. And it wasn't even just like, take all the money you want. It was, take any of your father's money that you want. Oh, dear. You know your father's money is ours. 
I mean, yes, if you enter into the agreement of marriage and family, yeah, that's what happens. But the, but... Fa- the <laughs> fact that it's still qualified as his money, not family money. Yeah. It, it, there's dynamics there. Um, I did write a little bit more, first of all, that Daphne wanted to use that money to buy Velma a pashmina. No, she wanted it for a purple dress she saw at the mall that Fred would just love. The pashmina came later. Oh, okay. Well, well, maybe she took a little extra for that pashmina. All I'm saying is that pashmina's in the mix. Uh, and then I, I think an important note not to gloss over is that Daphne is actually abducted by the dandy highwayman. Is it abduction if you go willingly? Does she go willingly, though? Yeah, because she wants to find out what's happening with everyone. Mm, true. And, right, so uh, her, hers is less that she's being seduced, more she sees it as an investigation opportunity. Yes. Okay, gotcha. Also, I'd like to point out that some background noise happening around and in our building right now includes Hallway Baby and the people above us dragging their metal cup along their jail cell bars to get the attention of the warden. Now, it was an interesting choice to put the jail cell bars on the floor. Um, Getting back to Daphne, I would say that she uses her time with the highwayman effectively. Like, she's in there texting the rest of the gang, trying to get the jump on him. And I think she's the one who sort of leads him to the Dinkley's house. Lying and saying that they're very rich when clearly they're not. I mean... Oh, look at that little shitty bungalow they live in. (laughs) You would think that by their house, but they have a myriad of investments. And they invest in their local community. They rip off their local community. That's investment. $15 for a K-Horifico t-shirt? Rip off. And then going to the Shaggy and Scooby shenanigans. Uh, Highlight on Scooby this week. He is the one who is having these uh, very... How would you describe his dreams? I'm trying to find an adjective. Prophetic. Prophetic, okay. Like, he first dreams of having a romantic night in with Nova uh, when the Nazi robots bust in and break it up. Turns out that she's still really in the hospital. Then I think he has, like, a double dream where he's out of donuts. No, the double dream is that Nova then sits up in the hospital and says Nibiru is coming. Right. And then he wakes up again. Mm. It's that old, oh, dream within a dream, which I don't think has ever happened to anyone on Earth. I've, I had that. I've definitely had it as a, oh, as a child. I can remember one positive? specific night where I definitely had it. I have never had a dream within a dream. You should try it. Very relaxing. You get a deep sleep. Yeah, every instance I've ever seen it used has been because of horrific nightmares. Seems very relaxing, (laughs) Billy. I'll stick with my lucid dreams, thanks. I'm actually really good at changing dreams into the course that I want them to take. I'm not, but I will say I have had this dream within a dream, and I specifically remember because an alarm was going off, and it took me a while to wake up because I had to get through the layers. In these, uh... Dreams within dreams, Scooby's having a romantic dinner with Nova, and he's got, like, champagne, and you shouldn't give dogs liquor, I don't think. No, is there, like, a... I feel like somebody has to have made a dog champagne, a bubbly drink that's safe for dogs. Probably. 
I think they made wine for cats. So if you're extra sad, you can have a glass of wine with your cat. That's going to break all those stereotypes. Well, why not dogs? Champagne for dogs, wine for cats. Although I don't know how dangerous liquor is. I mean, it's dangerous for humans. Yeah, yeah, it's dangerous for That's why drunkness happens. So I don't know. Maybe dogs could have a shot of beer every once in a while. (laughs) But I wouldn't go so far as champagne. That's too classy. Well, and also I would say Scooby-Doo and Nova are different kind of dogs. What would be probably okay for Scooby to process because he's such a big dog would be worse for Nova. Even just like, like them drinking liquor together, if it affects them the same way as humans, Nova's gonna get fucking plastered before Scooby gets tipsy. So again, power dynamics all over the place. Obviously, the really impressive dream that he has is where he goes to uh, the Red Room from Twin Peaks and talks to the dancing man. But I think we covered that in the intro because I was just too excited. Uh, it happened. Oh my god. That's my, um, that's my overall impression. Back in the real world, Shaggy asks Scooby-Doo, can you say food court palooza And of course he cannot, because Scooby notoriously has trouble saying anything. <laughs> you could say that for most dogs. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't say it, but you like it. They, the two of them, Shaggy and Scooby, get a disguise this week. They are put into some dresses made to stand at the side of a foggy highway. <laughs> and they are verbally explaining that they are stranded, beautiful, God. rich women. That was, it was so exposition clunky, to be quite honest. And then they just stand around scratching their asses because the <laughs> pantyhose is itchy. <laughs> Such class. Yeah. I would stop for those women. <laughs> the height of feminine, and, and this, is that where, that doesn't work at all, right? Like, no one picks them up. No, Daphne leaves for literally one second and the, hi- the dandy highwayman gets her. <laughs> like, look at this. Why are they dressed like... Like it's the 50s? Like it's the 50s, yeah. They're going to a teeny bopper dance? The costume that Shaggy in is so reminiscent of what Splicers wear in <laughs> Bioshock. <laughs> Having recently replayed some Bioshock. I, I guess it's just because it's just over the top. Are they even wearing panties? Like, I don't know what they're wearing to make them scratch like that. Scooby claims the pantyhose is itchy, so they put a dog in pantyhose. That's admittedly pretty funny. (laughs) Uh, Moving on to the Fred factor. (sighs) Fuck you at the end of this episode, Fred Jones. It's just the worst. Yeah, the end is bad. Beginning is good. My first note for Fred is the expression of absolute worry on Fred's face as he passes the burned-out cars. Uh, I wrote this note down as, Fred is very worried when they drive into the car equivalent of the elephant graveyard. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it feels like. Uh, Vehicular accidents, they strike a chord with Fred Jones. And we don't know why, because he drives like a fucking maniac, so he's not (laughs) looking to preserve anyone's life. Yeah. Let alone his own. He has no car trauma. 
Although he, he does go to the sad place again. When, when Daphne is kidnapped, he goes to his sad place, and Velma is over it. Velma's like, alright, Fred, do your thing, we're solving a mystery. Throughout this episode, Fred takes the stance that he's not gonna use Daphne as bait, because it's too dangerous. Mm-hmm. And because he's, like, selfish ass and doesn't want to lose her, blah, yeah. blah, blah. So Daphne has to go and do all this on her own. And then you would think, like, hey, learning opportunity for Fred at the end of this episode. Daphne's her own autonomous person who has control over her own body and decisions. Nope, bastard just puts in earplugs. Yeah, because... All right, we'll get to that with the villain. Why not just say it now? Well, because... All right, so... The villain claims to really like to listen to women talk, but he has earplugs in when it gets quote-unquote too much. So this is the lesson that all the men in the mystery machine yeah. take. And Both they... Shaggy and Fred, but I'm I'm more upset with Fred. I wish that Fre- that Shaggy would have jokingly taken his earplugs out and Fred slapped his hand down, and that's when he could have gone on about women's autonomy and issues. Could have, but instead we got the cheap joke. Yes, because this was 2012, and and that's about the point when like. The new wave of feminism kicked in. So, you know... Actually, this is this is 2013. I just noticed that we had progressed another year. Well, it's still the time around, like, the next generation of feminists were starting to be viciously mocked in media. So, it seems about right to whoever the fuck the writer is here. Who's the writer? Uh, Caroline Farah. You made a terrible <laughs> joke. At your own gender's expense. Be interesting to get her take on this now. Like, did she mean it as satire and then no one else expressed it as such? I mean, I... I kind of... I can forgive it with the villain. Because it does show a sort of twisted morality that sort of... It works to help us keep villainizing him. Yeah. But the idea that Fred and Shaggy follow suit? Dumb. If it's the satire that all men are idiots, you gotta end on that line. Yeah. You can't just have a disapproving glare from Daphne. Um, in terms of major minor mentions, we don't get anything from the original Mystery Incorporated, which is a shame after the, the great little subplot we had with them in the last episode. Um, but we do have uh, the Mayor Nettles mandate and the Bronson Stone beat. Uh, Mayor Nettles is abducted, says absolutely nothing. Uh, yeah. About anything. I guess they couldn't get her voice actress in today. Bronson beat, uh, crushed to death, or so I've chosen to believe so <laughs> I can stop uh, acknowledging his existence. Yeah, real, uh... He re- literally exclaims at one point, listening to women, it's unheard of. Uh, he had one nice moment early on where he said, do you mystery dorks have some kind of radar in that van that te- that detects trouble? How is that nice? Well, it's it was it's not nice of him. Nice in the episode, a line, the, a nice line they gave him because yeah, these kids do encounter trouble a disproportionate amount, and so hanging a little lampshade on that. I also liked when Marinettles is kidnapped. He goes into a full body anxiety cramp, and Fred can relate to that. It's the exact same thing as when Daphne went away. But yeah, he he fucking categorically refuses to listen. Jerk ass, son of a bitch. Minor, minor mentions. 
Nova has become fully possessed in Scooby's dreams mm-hmm. by the Anunnaki, who are the animal aliens. Yeah, I mean, and I would even say... Is it Anunnaki? Anunnaki. Yeah. I, I would say less that she's possessed at this point and more that that is the form they are appearing to him in. She lets him know this time, very explicitly, that the Anunnaki have no physical form and must inhabit animals. Uh, Their descendants are animals that can talk, and not all of them are kind and good. In fact, the most evil of them is imprisoned under Crystal Cove. And Wait, did she say that what's imprisoned under Crystal Cove... Is a descendant, or separately, that that is an evil Anunnaki. Oh, by the way, you can talk because you're a descendant of us. Yeah, yes. Sorry, I think you're you're more correct on that. I just wasn't uh, clear when I wrote these notes. Yeah, she was saying that not all Anunnaki are, are kind and good. Uh, no one's all kind and good. Everything's a spectrum. Uh, but yeah, it is, I think it is a genuine Anunnaki that is buried under Crystal Cove. Which would explain its form that we're going to see it in coming episodes. Of not just, like, a lizard that's evil. Uh, Could you imagine all that hype and they just open that crystal coffin and it's, like, a little evil Pomeranian or something? A guinea pig? Yeah. A <laughs> uh, little, you know, a Muppet. <laughs> Muppet's not an animal. I, w- I tried to think of, like... The most innocent animal I could, and I thought and of Kermit. You, you immediately went to Muppet. Yeah, <laughs> which I, is and I couldn't have even. I didn't even say frog. I said Muppet. <laughs> All right. Uh, next minor mention: Velma's mom wants to fuck that poor boy. I don't know how else to say it. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's that's really it. Yeah, explicitly. Um, and then the pool boy himself. He's British. He's shredded. He's clearly taking advantage of this woman by getting paid to just lay in her yard. Did he, did he go door to door and be like, hey, you need a pool boy? Here are the reasons you might want a pool boy. Is he in league with a company that installs pools? And so he sort of lures them in with his rock and bod. They install the pool and he ghosts. Well, that's very possible. It could also just be he's a gold digger. Yeah. Is he gonna fuck Velma's mom? That's what I want to know. Did you fuck Velma's mom, pool boy? Let us know on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> we'll set up a poll. Did Velma's mom fuck the pool boy? <laughs> I know what the listeners are going to say. <laughs> Daphne's mother. Surprisingly, I have the most notes for. Okay. Most of them we've already talked about, like how uh, her husband's money is her money. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all kept at the house in a vault. They how don't trust it, banks. How does it earn interest then? Like, that's where, like, rich people actually get all well, their money from. Here's what you say. You say all. I'm going to say the Blakes are very rich, and that is a small poor. That is their walking around money. Well, it seems careless. It's definitely more money than I have in my entire bank account right now. Also, Daphne's mother doesn't seem to care about Daphne's involvement with Fred anymore. They tried all of season one to tell her to not do that. Now she's given up. And now they're just like, whatever. And, more important than any other note, she has scheduled fuck (laughs) time on Tuesday. Yes. Tuesday 
is when they get down to business. And defeat the Huns. No, they, they, ha- they have intimate sex with each other. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Billy, you use such explicit language. I do, I I'm do. I'm getting turned on myself mm, right now. Well... Would you like to have intimate sex I with think, each other I, later? No, I want to have intimate sex right now before the podcast ends. <laughs> Let's go, dear. Dear. Uh, we won't be doing that. Thank you. No. I'm sure the listeners are saying <laughs> that as well. Um, I wanted to note, as a, as a minor mention, Marsha's husband. He's very distraught that his wife has been taken. As we can tell when he yells out, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha! I can't believe we're still getting Brady Bunch jokes. <laughs> yeah, it's the year of our Lord, 2013. Alright, so the villain, the dandy highwayman. You're not going to talk about the dancing man? You literally... I literally have said everything we need to. You literally prefaced this with, we've already talked about him. Okay, I just, I wanted, I just want us to know he's around. I'm sorry. I've already introduced the villain, so start talking. The dandy highwayman, he's very charming, uh, always wants to know how a woman is feeling, rides a motorcycle, and he he is dressed, as you would imagine, a traditional highwayman to be. Just, you know, instead of a horse, he has a, a hog. And I'm going to criticize him a little bit first here. Because he's not quite a highwayman when he commits home invasion. Like, meeting the, the National Lampoon family on the highway, yes, that's what a, what a dandy highwayman is ought to do. Driving his motorcycle into the Blake house crosses a line. That's B&E. That is, that, that is not highwaymanship. So you are... Against breaking and entering into the rich people's estates. No, 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 no. I'm all for that. Okay. But I am, I am against doing that and calling yourself a highwayman. Well, he's branched out. Well, so he's, now he's just a man. He's just a, a dandy criminal. A jack of all trades. The men of Crystal Cove are upset with him. Uh, not just because he's, like, looting them, but also because he's he's seeming to put... Their women into a hypnotic trance, and then they go with him willingly. Uh, that hypnotic trance is literally just talking to them and offering them some romantic adventures, some maybe a- some intimate sex. As- <laughs> asking them how they feel about the situation. Yes. And literally, the National Lampoon's mom's just like, you want to know how I feel? Like, no one has ever spoken to her? Yeah. The cracks... Of this highwayman's persona do show pretty early in the episode. I think it was when uh, he was talking to Daphne and Daphne's like, oh, you think I'm going to come with you just because you're listening to me? And he says, well, you are a woman. And as soon as that moment happened, I'm like, mm, you're kind of generalizing there, buddy. I don't like it when you're just like, this is what women want. As all want, they're just one homogeneous group. Homogeneous. That was the word I was looking for. Kept wanting to say humongous. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I mean, not to generalize, but maybe don't call them humongous if you're trying to pick them up either. 
Um, yeah, and then, oh, and then even when they're at his hideout and he says, The sound of a woman talking incessantly without end is music to my ears. Showing a little bit of a microaggression there. Study after study have shown that men dominate conversations in any situation. Oh, an analysis of this podcast would probably show that. That, like, in university classes, men think that the conversation is uh, equal, if not leaning more, to women, and they will have spoken about 95% of the fucking time. They just hear any woman voice and immediately assume that women are going the fuck off non-stop. Man, I hate your fucking gender. I know. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> I, try, I try to listen and do better. Um, and then, okay, so who is this dandy highwayman? I didn't even write down this fucker's name. I just wrote down library nerd. I think he's just the librarian. Let me see if he has a real name. He's a dude. He works at the library. He runs the book club, and that's how he got his targets. No. He's just listed as librarian, so that's why we don't have a name for him. He targeted women who specifically chose, like, romance adventure books to yep. read at the book club. Um, like, what was his plan? He was just going to abduct these married so, women, steal from them, and then rape them in his cave well, flare? His, his thing was that he'd always been, like, uh, like, lonely and bored in this library, just reading about adventures, and then he started moderating the book club and he realized he was act women would actually respond when he listened to them and he realized he was actually becoming interested in what they talked about his fucking flaw is that he then saw that as a way to win he saw it as a way to then like get women because of that as a prize so his actual interest eh. He fucking leapfrogged that to, ooh, I can go and capture women because of this. Yeah, his thing was like, oh, I learned to listen to women, but none of them wanted to date me. And it's just like every woman you would, every single woman you talk to and you listen to her now wants to date you. There's a generalization about women we like to be fucking listened to. <laughs> Here's the thing, asshole. Don't go after married women, you fucking twat. That's the thing. And maybe, and maybe, you've yelled that so loud, I'm a little worried about what our neighbors think of me. But. <laughs> but now. Oh, they already know you're a fucking twat, Billy. Apparently. Um, but not a philandering twat. Where was I going? Um, fuck. Yeah, okay. Maybe, like, it, women don't want to date you because of. Of what you look like or how you act. But and you had this, like, dandy highwayman persona. Didn't even really turn them off that you were pretending to be a highwayman. I don't, maybe, just put yourself out there, is all, is all I would say. Don't be a fucking super villain. Just put, just maybe go to some book clubs. Online dating? eHarmony was huge. In the early 2010s, Take like this. the Sandy Hyman costume, go to some, like, cosplay events. That seems to be your jam. Because you did make yourself, like, people thought that you were that ripped pool boy. They genuinely did. I think literally the only thing he needs to do to de-nerdify himself is change his fucking hairstyle. 
Bam. Or just find someone who will accept that. Like, I have terrible hair. I have you. Listeners, we are in the third month of a global pandemic and my hair is even worse than normal. Want to get that out there. Um, yeah, so is it is it feasible to listen to a woman? I say yes. Yes, yes, yes it is. Yes, it is. Is it feasible that you then uh, take married women, rob them, Take them back to your cave, literal cave lair, and then is he at? Is he making them have sex with him? I don't. What's happening feels, once he gets them back to yeah, the cave? It feels like he's just having them read magazines so that he can go and collect another one. It's a collectathon for him. I don't fucking get this guy. Why can't he just be a regular pickup artist without kidnapping women? It's weird. He has this weird like. Stalactite cave with couches and floor lamps. Strange fellow. Is he scary? No, fucking zero. If this guy came at me in the street, how quickly I would pummel his face with my fists. I would say systematically, though, the idea of pickup artists and men who pretend to listen to women so they can ensnare them into their traps. Okay, but That's here's, very fucking here's scary. the thing. If you encounter just a pickup artist in a bar... All they're really looking for is a phone number and maybe, like, one booty call, and then they're going to move on to the next person. This guy is abducting women on a motorcycle, and that's a little worse. Yeah, You can't is. give yourself, you can't give them a decoy like you can a fake phone number. Yeah, I mean, and, and our terror scale is to do with monsters. And is he is specifically not scary. He is charming as this persona. So, yeah, you're going to get Misogynism a... Misogynism is scary. But the dandy high women is this isn't. package isn't. <laughs> yeah. Zero. Happily a zero. Do you have any other thoughts or feelings on this episode? Where are all the lesbians in this town? That's who should have stopped the dandy highwaymen. Uh well Velma dresses up as her mom to refute him. Okay. I know. But Velma's bi at most. I want a pack of lesbians with torches and pitchforks. <laughs> Just every day. Let's do it right now. <laughs> I like I like the idea of doing a villain based on this kind of shitty dude. I like I like the motivation for that. It's a very strange episode constructed There's around him though. No lesson that comes out of this yeah. incel motherfucker. None of the other men learn a lesson. They in fact digress into worse lessons. From this, they have learned something that they agree with from this incel cocksucker. I hate him. I ha it's a Scooby don't absolutely. The only thing that comes into play with other, like, you know, the important fucking story arc is that they find another goddamn clue just haphazardly lying around, and Scooby has his possessed dreams, which will absolutely be covered again in the next episode. Yeah. There's no reason for this garbage. I'm going to go with a Scooby don't as well. Because of that earplugs joke. Because of the earplugs joke, it it just crashed at that point for me. If it didn't have that and he was actually someone who was interested in women and well, even then he was collecting them and bringing them to his underground lair, so that's not great. <laughs> but at least it could have refuted him. 
there's a lot, it's a lot, it's, it's, there's a lot of general, yeah, there's a lot of generalization of women in this one. I don't know why I'm still talking about it. We can, we can end this episode here. What's our next episode, Amelia? I don't know. Well, judging by the fact that this is episode 399, I would say it's probably our 400th episode spooktacular. Probably, yeah. Probably. We'll that. see if Billy actually does any of the fucking prep work, like answering questions and making quiz questions before we have to uh, record. It's only one way to find out. Because it's been like a month since I put out that request for listener questions, and yeah. Billy's just been sitting on his hands. Now I can just now. Time. Well, you sent me some of them. I sent and, you all of them. Well, perfect. Then I can just sit down and. Why are we talking about this on the show? <laughs> because if it was an episode about a terrible man. Because you haven't listened so to now, me for the past month, as I've told you to work on this shit. I know. I've heard you. I've I've heard you, listeners. Hello. If you would like to find us online, uh, you can find us on Twitter. I am at the Billy Seaguire. Amelia is at Fatal Amelia, and we can be found collectively at Scooby underscore Dues. Can stream all our old stuff on our WordPress Tumblr. And YouTube page, all under Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts. You can find my personal YouTube page that does retrospectives and reviews on spooky shit under Fatal Amelia. And look forward to that Does Velma's Mom Fuck the Pool Boy yeah, poll. Yeah, I want to know. Any day now, I'll put it up. <laughs> and on that note. That's it from Scooby-Doo-Be-Us. To I guess just a quick note to end on. We also learned that that treasure is super cursed. Oh, yeah. Not just that the uh, alien spirits that visit us inhabit animals. No. So no golden trap for Freddy. Or it all being wrapped up in a burrito for Shaggy. Luckily, there are many other places to find burritos.